Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to this very special mailbag episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are totally reading your emails and responding to them. Yeah. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Oh my gosh, and I'm totally Kristen Russo. Yes. (laughs) And this week we are discussing Mailbag Episode Mailbag, (laughs) written and directed by Mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) And originally aired on Mailbag, 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 Mailbag. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. It starts to fall apart, I guess, but thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, so this is really exciting. Um, As you all or many of you know, we normally do mailbag episodes for our Patreon supporters at the $10 level or higher. And uh, we took September off and we're going to be coming back hot into your earbuds uh, on October 3rd. Hot into your earbuds. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, But before we do that, we thought it would be nice to give a little to the people mailbag episode. And boy, do we have some really fun emails from all of you. I can't wait to experience all of them for the first time right now. <laughs> somebody, I Kristen believe, organizes them. I believe that somebody actually in one of the emails references you not reading the email. So it's really becoming a thing uh, for everyone, Jenny. Listen, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their place in this world. Mm-hmm. And mine is not reading the emails before we tape the mailbag episodes. <laughs> which, which, like, you know, has its ups and downs, too, because one of the positive... Yeah, element of surprise. Precisely. And the first email that I have, actually, um, I'm, I'm excited about two emails for the element of surprise for Jenny. Uh, one comes later. But the first one I'm actually pretty excited about, too. Um, I don't think that I told you about this, Jenny. This email comes from Emma. Uh, and Emma said... You posted on Facebook the other day about who would be an ideal guest to get on the podcast, and quite a few people suggested Juliet Landau. This brought back a memory I had of attending a con some years ago where she was one of the guests. She was incredible. She came onto the stage to rapturous applause, as you can imagine, but she just stood there at the edge of the stage, staring out into the audience, not (laughs) saying a word. A hush fell over the audience as we wondered what was going on. And then she started swaying and she said, look, Spike, look at all the people. Oh, my God. Can you even? The email continues. Everyone in the audience collectively gasped and then started cheering. A seriously hair-raising moment and one that still gives me goosebumps when I think about it. I just got goosebumps and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Right? It's pretty... Very effective Juliet. I know. Thank so, you, Emma. And we're going to see Juliet in London <gasps> when, when we're in London for the Vampire Ball at the end of November, beginning of December. So I'm just like pretty stoked to find out what kind of antics she might be up to when we are there in person. And oh, will, yeah. we, will we get to play her Drusilla jingle for her? Like oh, what is going to happen? Right? Let it be so. Okay, next up, we've got an email from an anonymous, semi-anonymous person who is a writer 
on the upcoming Netflix series She-Ra. I don't know if any of you watched She-Ra as, as a child. I certainly did. Is that how you say uh, She-Ra? She-Ra. You, you I mean, say the raw so in an in a emphasis well, I know, that I don't <laughs> recognize. Later, I know that we have an email from a person named Shira, S-H-I-R-A. Uh, so I'm like really going out of my way to pronounce them differently. <laughs> so Shira, this is specifically uh, the Princess of Power. Yes. Uh, that Shira. Yes. So uh, this writer uh, appropriately writes... <laughs> Uh, big buffering fan over here, and I just wanted to let you know how much your work has been helping me. I write for the upcoming She-Ra reboot for Netflix, and I've been sending some of the songs from the Season 3 album around to the rest of the team for inspiration. Without giving too much away, because I think you should watch our series, it's literally just a pack of princesses of all shapes and sizes beating the shit out of robots and the patriarchy. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Uh -huh. We have a few characters with complicated relationships, including one reminiscent of Buffy and Faith. I don't know what you could be referencing here. And I've been listening <laughs> non-stop to enemies and consequences to get me in the right mindset but here's hoping everyone on our show can avoid falling out of any windows onto trucks isn't this so fun that sounds amazing i cannot i was already excited to watch this show and now i'm real pumped i just like i love when like art begets art begets art begets art you know what i mean it's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a television show. Then Kristen and Jenny made a podcast and wrote some songs. And then now somebody is listening to those songs to help inspire them for creation of new characters on a new television show. It's just, I just love it. It's I think pretty it's pretty sick. Right? Yeah, that's so awesome. And then, Thank like, you for letting us know that rules. Yeah. And like those complicated relationship princesses are going to be like inspiring like some eight year old somewhere. And it's going to be like their route for later when they create some like new series <laughs> in 20 years. You know, it's just like fucking cool. It's fucking cool. Wow. Yes. Yes. Complicated relationship princesses. That sounds like a reality <laughs> TV show, actually. <laughs> okay. Our next email comes from Matt, who writes, with regards to the news that the Buffy reboot will be a continuation, I am hoping that we get two gay dads and a female watcher. I'm Aww. here for that, right? I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Mm -hmm. I'm also hoping Spike becomes human so he could pop up and have a reason for his slight change in appearance. <laughs> Would you want to see cameos from the old cast or leave it as its own thing? Yeah. What do you think, Jenny? Do you have thoughts on this? Mm, I think... Uh, a cameo in a reboot could be like a very, very, very special thing, mm -hmm. but it has to be exactly right. And I don't know like what precisely that is, but it's definitely like a one episode kind of like maybe meaningful, but not like overtly meaningful character right. appearance, right. you know, um, some random magic shop owner who bumps into one of the new characters and like inadvertently gives them exactly the information that they need at exactly the right time. Something uh -huh. like that I uh -huh. would be down for. But not like Sarah Michelle Geller is a watcher that, you know, is in a bunch of episodes in a row and is not at all Buffy. Right. That oh. feels weird. Oh, yeah, certainly. Oh, my God. Imagine they put Sarah Michelle Geller in the show, but she didn't play Buffy. That would be <laughs> the most hilarious choice of all time. Oh They're God. like, they'll and get it. They'll get it. <laughs> I, I'm here for cameos. And I agree. I think they obviously need to be done the right way. But I do think that part of anyone who says they don't want any cameos, I think needs to like re-examine their feelings. Because I think mm. that we I think we all want to have like little morsels of the thing that we love in this new thing. And we're afraid 
I think a lot of us are afraid. We don't want to have characters resurface, characters who we love and who we're attached to and find that they've resurfaced and we don't identify with them or we don't think that they're the same as they once were and it feels ruined and like I totally get that fear. But I, I think that if it is done properly, I will squeal with cameos. Squeal. Are you kidding me? Eliza, yeah. D- Eliza Dushku appears on that screen. I don't even care if it's oh, bad. I will yeah. squeal. <laughs> I will squeal. <laughs> So yeah, just do a good job, showmakers. Yes, yes. That is that is all we can ask for. Uh, so thank you, Matt, for writing in with that question. Uh, I want to just take a little sidebar here for a tiny little email from Heather. And I, I shared this on social media, so this might not be news to some of you, but I think to many of you it will be. Heather wrote in after listening to the live taping of Beer Bad and said, I just wanted to tell you I'm very disappointed that you didn't refer to the caveman college dudes as bro magnons. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just, Heather, I thought your joke was on point enough to be called into a main feed episode for all of us to laugh over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well played. Yeah. Um, Jenny, the, here comes my email that I'm really excited to read to you. You might have an inkling of who might be the su- Do you have an idea of like who might be the subject of this email that I'm excited to read oh to you? Oh my God. If it's about Mark Lucas, I'm going to die. Oh my God. It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Valerie Ann, Valerie Ann from New York City, who you know, who I know, we know and love Valerie Ann. Valerie Ann wrote in to us with a story for you, Jenny. I was listening. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I was listening to the most recent mailbag episode and I heard your call for Mark Lucas stories and I realized this opportunity might never come again, but it's the perfect time to tell my Mark Lucas story, a story I love but rarely get a chance to tell. So thank you. And here we go. <laughs> I went to college at NYU, whose campus, a term I use extremely loosely, is generally accepted to be where the largest collection of NYU buildings happen to be, around the Washington Square Park area. But since it's not where all of the buildings are by a long shot, there were NYU buses that acted as free shuttles for students to take them to and from their far-flung dorms. One day, I was standing at the bus stop, minding my own business, when I heard someone say a sentence that included... Mark Lucas. Now, at the time, it still wasn't strictly cool to admit you loved Buffy. Hell, maybe it still isn't, but I no longer care. So it wasn't every day that I found a fellow Scooby in the wild. My head whipped, <laughs> my head whipped around, and when the girl who said his name found recognition in my eyes, she ditched her blank-faced friends to tell me the news instead. Mark Lucas was filming a movie on the very next block at this <gasps> very moment. <gasps> As I looked with wide eyes in the direction she had pointed, she goes, should we go see if we can see him? And I barely said yes before we were darting across the street toward the set. When we got there, we stood on the corner and did a sweep, ready to have to squint to see a shape that maybe was the man we knew as Riley, when instead we realized that the towering, broad-shouldered, bright-eyed man was standing right there. (laughs) No more than three feet away, watching us seek him out with an amused smirk. (laughs) he he closed the distance between us with one easy step and held out his hand hi i'm mark he said oh my god mark (laughs) knowing we knew but also knowing he had to coax our own introductions out of our slack-jawed mouths We (laughs) we spent the next few minutes talking about what he was filming it was the killing floor but then the wildest thing happened he started asking us questions about what our majors were how we liked living in new york etc Oh my God, Mark! To my 19-year-old self, this was the most kind and heroic thing a famous person could do. 
Anyway, all this to say, I would totally join that girls who hate Riley but love Mark Lucas group, though admittedly I didn't hate <laughs> Riley until I was older. Ah, oh, so Jenny, that one's for you. <laughs> We're going to need to stop recording so I can go breathe into a paper bag for a little while. Oh my God, do you have just like a little stack of paper bags that say Mark Lucas in case of emergency? In case of Mark <laughs> Lucas emergency? <laughs> Hell yeah. Somebody get me those bags, please. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your, your wow, wow thunder there, Johnny. No, 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 no. Wow, wow is a phrase for it's a fair use. It's for everyone. It's not for, just for me. For the people. I'm just spreading it, you know? Oh, goodness. Wow. I don't know how I'm going to possibly ever read another email out loud, but I'm going to try right now <laughs> after that. Ahem. So Nina, 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 Nina writes in. In the scene with Xander and Giles in Xander's basement, you mentioned that Xander's mom was acting out of character. This is true, but I believe she is acting out of character for a reason. Think about it. She's married to a major douchebag who treats her like crap. And Xander brings home his hot watcher friend who is just the right age for an underappreciated wife to appreciate. Hmm, of course she <laughs> offers to make them fruit punch. This observation brought to you by a woman who is probably right around the same age as Xander's mom. <laughs> nice. Mrs. Harris is like, hello, British daddy. Oh, oh wow. So you just wanted to get a daddy in there? Uh, now, now it's all I'm trying to do is get a daddy in everywhere. Yes, you've seen how the masses respond to us saying daddy, so you know you're now you're really going. They for it. <laughs> love it. I'm just trying to give the people what they want. <laughs> uh, I loved this email, and also Nina was not the only one to write in with this observation. There were several human beings who wrote in, and they were like, "Um, excuse me, we know why. We know why she's well, making yeah. that fruit punch." So sorry for missing that. <laughs> we were like, "Why would a woman make a man?" <laughs> Fruit punch. What a wild thing to happen. How can we possibly explain this? The writers must have been high that day. Uh, uh, everyone was like, they're a little, they're a little too queer. They, they need a little help. Yeah, a little they, too they need, queer. They need a little help to remember that heterosexuality is still actually a thing. Uh, so um, here for the for the uh, spinoff fanfic of Xander's mom and Giles with fruit punch. Very here for it. Oh jeez. <laughs> Oh, my God. Speaking of, I didn't even do this. So I, like, stagger the emails. I try to, like, make them go in a nice order, try to drop the Mark Lucas story in at the right moment, et cetera. <sighs> I completely didn't do this fruit punch stack here, but this is a fruit punch stack. So we just went from Xander's mom making fruit punch to an email from Molly, who says, hello, Kristen, or is Jenny actually reading emails yet? Dig. Never, dig. Molly. Absolutely <laughs> never. Molly says, Oh my God, I'm so excited to contribute something. I love, love, love everything about buffering. Here you go. Fruit punch mouth is a thing. The medical what? diagnosis of angular chelitis, 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 I don't know. I would say chelitis. Chelitis. The medical diagnosis of angular chelitis per Wikipedia is, quote, inflammation of one or both corners of the mouth, end quote, caused by malnutrition or anemia otherwise known as being a starving vampire, or by misaligned teeth, ahem, vamp fangs. <gasps> right? Uh, Molly does admit that they are picking and choosing the applicable bits, but still, angular chelitis is more common in the elderly, or you might say one of the old ones, 
It can also be a sign. <laughs> it can also be a sign of sensitivity to sun exposure, like a vampire. Zinc deficiency, which also causes alopecia and dermatitis, or B vitamin deficiencies with dementia, as another comorbidity. Comorbidity is a word. Okay, Whoa. apparently. Thus, crazy, old, bald, rashy, fangy, hungry vampire equals angular chelitis. Okay. So I'm really here for <laughs> Molly's diagnosis uh, of fruit punch. I mean, I don't like talking about fruit punch rather thinking about it, but in this context... It's nice is- to know that it has has roots in the real world right? as well as in the Buffyverse. I agree. 100%. So thank you, Molly. And Molly also said as a tag at the end, um, this could be something that we mention when we meet Mark Metcalf in London. Uh, we can let... Nice. Yeah. We can let him know. Let's grill him. Uh, yeah. Pardon me, sir. Were you aware? <laughs> Were you aware of angular chelitis? <laughs> we, we just... Were you... Um, was uh, really like getting in, into the skin of someone who was suffering from angular chelitis part of your method when you were preparing for the role of the master? Or we just bring him a t-shirt that says angular chelitis. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's like just dying for that. <laughs> Do you think... I Actually, I forgot that we have like a little jingle even for him. Fruit punch <gasps> mouth. Oh, Fruit yeah. punch mouth. Fruit punch mouth. And then fruit what ha- punch mouth. You, you got, got fruit punch, punch mouth. mouth. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next email comes from someone who gave their initials as HP. And I can only assume that this is an email from Harry Potter. 100%. Who wishes to remain anonymous. So everybody be cool. <laughs> HP writes, Teutonic. We all remember way back when Xander and then Buffy... Uh, each individually referred to Riley as Teutonic. Yes, and Kristen uh, then incorrectly defined the word. We remember it. Do we remember it? We remember it. Well, I think we looked it up, and the dictionary definition that we located was... Uh, uh, I think I just probably misread. I think that, like, some. I think the archaic thing that I read was probably, like, italicized and meant, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that I just... Oh. I think I was sloppy, and and I'm admitting it here. I'm owning. <gasps> I'm owning. How my, could I, you? Every once in a while, very out of character for me. But every once in a while, I am in a rush. I do something sloppily, and this is what I get, Jenny. This is what I get. Well, you're very busy. You have to read all the emails. I'm just <laughs> lounging about. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah, you look up Teutonic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, HP uh, is here to save us. And uh, writes, Teutonic means relating to the Teutons, or more basically, something that seems German. (laughs) Xander was just dragging Riley for his Aryan good looks, which is pretty accurate, come to think of it. Yeah. And so, and and HP, Harry but, Potter, Harry Potter wasn't the only one. I, I just, you know, Harry Potter. A lot of the, people wrote in about this, but a, then a where does it, where does it come from then that Buffy says, like mm. Buffy says, that is so Teutonic when they're having like that outdoor uh, <laughs> argument where they're both trying to get the other one to go away. Right. And he says, she says, you think uh, boys can take care of themselves and girls need help? And he says, yes. And she says, that is so Teutonic. Right, right, right. Well, you know what, Jenny? I'm not going to be lazy anymore. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, my gosh. What a great idea. Okay, well, I'll... I'll, I'll just vamp while you do that. Oh, yeah? How appropriate. You're going to go ahead. Go ahead and vamp. It just says Teutonic relating to the Teutons. And then 
Number two, it says denoting the Germ Germanic branch of the Indo-European language family. And above that in italics, it says archaic. Um, and oh, oh, it's the archaic. Okay. okay yes. Right, right. You, see, I see you see what I've so, done. You see what I've done. But then, okay. So then I feel like, what is this Buffy just using a word? That she that she heard Xander like she interpreted it as one thing and then just like said it to Riley. Well, okay, okay, out of okay. Uh, here, digging a little deeper, and and by that I I mean I don't have my microfiche out. I just went to Wikipedia. <laughs> um, it it does say a German a Germanic tribe or Celtic tribe mentioned by Greek and Roman authors, and then below that it says. Furor Teutonicus, a Latin phrase referring to the proverbial ferocity of the Teutons. So maybe there's a little bit more built into that term, right? Uh, a German military order called the Teutonic Knights. So maybe not just German, maybe not just that blonde-haired, blue-eyed situation, but also maybe something um, because because he does something like. What does he do? Like he's gonna like go storm off and like do something to save her or whatever. So maybe there's like a little bit of the ferocity, a little bit of like the military connotation in there, or maybe Buffy's just doing mm. doing what you said uh, and using the word again because she wants to use it because she likes words. I'm willing to accept any of these answers, but the thing I'm most willing to do is to move on and never think about the word Teutonic again. I know, except for, you know, what we've done is we have now activated the masses. We've opened Wait. the the gates to the hell yes. of Teutonia. Pa Pandora's Teutonic box has been opened. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Check out um, my new metal band, Pandora's <laughs> Teutonic box. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, okay, so um a little short a short note from Catherine, but I I really felt it was important to share this with you Jenny. Catherine says you'll get halfway through the series when you get to season 4 episode 16, who are you? So oh. My I, God, it's all downhill from there, Kristen. I, I know. I can you like I Catherine seemed to be like excited to share this with us, but I was like terrified. I was like, what do you mean? Like it can't be half. We can't be halfway through. That's that means it's half like I was so half empty, like glass half empty reading this. I was like, no. Um, well, we could probably once we finish season seven, we could probably just um keep making mailbags for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Just, just like every every mailbag is more discussion about Teutons and Teutonic. Yes, yeah, yes. I'm yes, sure and more I'm Mark Lucas stories, please. I'm sure it'll do great. I'm sure people will love <laughs> love that. Uh, <laughs> Buffering uh, the mailbag. <laughs> so I'm gonna go to an email now. I'm gonna take a, a take a sharp turn, a hard corner. An email Skirk. from Melanie. And, and, and I want to say that Melanie, I actually have a couple, uh, an email, a little bit of an email from Olivia here. We'll see how much I pull in from these two. But there were a lot of emails that came in to us and technically to Joanna and I, but I, I wanted to, you know, bring it here to the mailbag and Jenny, you could weigh in here about our discussion of Oz in the episode Wild at Heart. Um, so I'm going to read Melanie's and then like talk a little bit about some of the others. But they were basically, I felt like Melanie's kind of almost hit on a lot of the points that came through. Melanie said, since like Willow, I too know the love of a taciturn man. I think I have a little insight <laughs> into Oz and his quote out of character behavior. When Oz is in a healthy place, he's able to be assertive about his needs. This is easier when he understands and accepts his feelings. 
But as an introvert, when he is uncomfortable with his feelings and identity, he won't be open about them, even with those closest to him, because he needs to figure things out himself before he can or will talk about them with someone. This explains, mm. right? This explains why mm -hmm. he feels like he needs to leave and go be away from people to figure things out. A healthier Oz would have been able to talk to Willow, but this Oz is ripped apart, not so much by his attraction to Veruca, but more by the allure of his identity as a werewolf, which he's never really dealt with, but has constantly been plaguing him, at least since he agreed that his ability to smell Willow was bothering him in Lover's Walk. I would think that his inability to show emotion just before he drives out of town is very in character for someone who is not comfortable expressing it. The fact that he had so much trouble with the keys and getting the car to start are the important nonverbal cues that say everything about his toxic state of mind and how upset he is. I completely bought it as Oz, his more frustrating side that won't let him express things. I think in short, he just realized he can't ignore the werewolf thing anymore and he has more than he can handle. And this is how a taciturn person in those circumstances absolutely would act. What do you think, Jenny? I can't possibly relate to any of that. <laughs> you were just quiet. You were trying to get your keys in the, in the ignition. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I was having a hard time. <laughs> I just I thought this was really beautiful, like beautifully said. And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of you wrote in and sort of said, like, hey, maybe it's taking the easy way out to say this is out of character for Oz to like not have told Willow, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that Joanna and I and, and Jenny, I know you heard the episode, like I think Joanna and I did have room for some of this with Oz and, and just felt like we wanted a little bit more of an arc with it. But I do think that um we could have given a little bit more room for this observation, which I think is pretty spot on. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is like a real bullseye, plenty of uh, stuff in here that's worth considering. And also, I mean, as um, somebody who can't possibly relate <laughs> to Oz's methods of dealing with things at <laughs> all. Sure, sure, right. Um, I would also maybe highlight that um, one thing that Oz is like really, really sure of, aside from like, okay, wow, he's like really having to reckon with the fact that like he is a wolf all the time and like that requires more than he's been giving to it in order for him to like maybe potentially be at peace with it in some way or figure out how to live like a quote normal life mm -hmm. at some point. He also like knows that like whatever is going on with him right now, he is like hurting the person that he cares about the most so much yeah and like i think it makes a lot of sense as well that he would just be like the the kindest thing i can do to willow right now is like to get the fuck away from her yeah yeah you know yeah. totally totally and i i appreciate all of the notes that you sent in because oz is such a loved character and i want to make sure that we give oz all the space that oz deserves uh in in like and how he processed this and not just you know i mean i i think like i do think joanna and i did give some space but i i think we could have perhaps given more and i think that this is something to think about and and you know i think joanna and i and i wondered jenny how the episode would have been had you and i discussed it because i think joanna and i and i'm i don't know joanna like super super well but i get the sense that joanna and i are both a little bit more extroverted um, in, in this way. I, I mean, I actually am a right, pretty, right. pretty major introvert in a lot of ways, but in this way of processing feelings, speaking feelings as we have them, I think we might be on similar pages there, or at least a little bit closer together than Jenny, than you and I are. Um, and so I think your perspective or the perspective of anyone who might process things more similarly to Oz would have been really cool for that episode. Um, but now you get it here. Yes. 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 Thank God we have a mailbag. <laughs> 
Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, wow. I get to read something again. Very exciting. (laughs) Uh, We've got this email from Emily, and here's what Emily has to say. I've loved all the songs you've released, but sometimes I've sat back and wondered if there was a particular artist or genre of music you were inspired by and how you use that to shape each song. Like I get that the song for living conditions was inspired by believe (laughs) totally a hundred percent. But for the other songs, would you share examples of where the musical inspiration came from? Also are the songs written acoustically first or on piano, or does it depend on the song? Just wondering how that whole process works. I guess I'm not at all creative, but I am fascinated by the creative process behind songwriting and song creation. Oh my gosh. My favorite question of all time. Ah. Okay. So, yes, absolutely. Living conditions. We were like, it, all the number one thing we have to accomplish with this episode is making like a song that kind of sounds like Believe about how much Kathy sucks. Totally. Um, so, that was like totally, totally right on. Um, another like very direct example of uh, the content of the episode uh, impacting the sort of like genre of the song that we were going for is in um, The Wish. Uh, that's the episode where 
uh, Cordelia wishes Buffy never came to Sunnydale. So in that reality, uh, Buffy is the vampire slayer in Cleveland. And so we wrote that song from Buffy, the vampire slayer, native of Cleveland's perspective. And we chose to go in a sort of like Buddy Holly, like early rock and roll type of bounce because Cleveland is widely regarded as the home, the birthplace of rock and roll. So we went in that uh, direction sonically and then shaped the lyric, of course, around the idea that Buffy is a lonely vampire slayer living in Cleveland. And we, you know, went ahead and like added some specific Cleveland landmarks to like really get it in there for whatever percentage of our listenership is a uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, let's let's play a little a little bit of that so they can hear that now that you just described it. Up in the cemetery every evening, I've been slaying some vampires in Cleveland. Yeah, shout if you feel how I'm feeling. Just a vampire slayer in Cleveland. Vampire slayer in Cleveland. Never had much to believe in. No friends and no family in. Cleveland, just a whole lot of death I've been dealing to the vampires living in Cleveland. Vampires then there's a song like Halloween where we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do, but Kristen came up with the <laughs> chorus lyric of uh, it's the big Halloween switcheroo. Uh, actually poet laureate of buffering the vampire <laughs> i want I, I would like to pat myself on the back because um so i don't write the melodies at all um i i don't know how to do that i can i can contribute in saying jenny i want the song to sound like this or i want it to be really sparse or i want it to be this or that and i like i really enjoy being on the production end and jenny and i um depending on the song will write lyrics together sometimes you know especially if it's a sad song you know i know where jenny's strengths are so i'm like hey this is a heart wrencher why don't you go sit in the corner and uh, write some words yeah yeah but um but we usually write the lyrics together for a lot of the other songs but Halloween is the only song that I wrote the melody for. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> a, a beloved favorite of many young children for this reason. Um, and uh, yes, continue with your Halloween story, Jenny. I just really wanted to, totally. to get my credit for, for where it's due. <gasps> so Kristen was like, I think the chorus should be, it's the big Halloween switcheroo. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can, I can build from there. That's an interesting starting point. And we ended up not related really to like what's happening in the episode, but just more related to that. It was like a fun kind of like monster of the week type episode. Monster of the week episodes are like more likely to sound fun in one way or another. So for this song, we thought it would be a real hoot uh, to do sort of like a classic old school Johnny Cash style um, you know, one five, one five, one five, bum, 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 <laughs> bum, where the bass is just doing that the whole time, and the verses are just kind of like Halloween. It's supposed <laughs> to be a slow night. Mm, Giles promised there'd be no night for vamp activity or whatever. You know, to like make it like really talky and like really lean into uh, that direction. I mean, that that's uh, Johnny Cash is one of my favorite artists. Kristen uh, loves him as well. So that was like a really fun thing that wasn't necessarily tied to exactly something, you know, in the plot. Halloween. Halloween. It's supposed to be a slow night. Giles promised it'd be no night for vamp activity. But somebody, somebody, had a differing opinion. Giannis's devoted minion came to Sunny D and brought some anarchy. 
It's the big Halloween switcheroo. It's the big Halloween switcheroo. You don't even know who you're gonna be. It depends where you got your costume to see. It's the big Halloween switcheroo. Then you have a song like Go Fish, where we like had we built the song around like a little um riff that has like kind of like a beachy feel just because like so much of that you know that episode is entirely centered around uh these sort of like aquatic beasts yeah what did we do we pulled like beach boy beach boy tunes for that one i don't remember go fish i should play it so that i remember it (laughs) yeah yeah play it and you'll hear how surfy it is This is like a this is like a tiny little like middle section song exploder buffering. <laughs> <laughs> we just, just need... want to be like Rishi. I know. We just He's love so cool. Rishi. Uh, yeah. And I think like the only other thing that I want to say, and Jenny, you might have more to say too, but um, is that then there are certain songs that are really driven. We actually just finished doing, um, or Jenny just finished doing the buffering concert right before we recorded this mailbag episode. And um, somebody was saying, you know, I love the songs where the lyrics sort of universally apply, which are, of course, not really the Monster of the Week episodes. Usually those are the bigger episodes. And in in a lot of those, um, Prophecy Girl, of course, comes to mind. But um, there's also the song, I believe, is it was it Consequences? That was the song that we sort of like shaped around the Me Too movement. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and there's a few others. Prophecy Girl, Jenny and I, and I, I think many of you know this, but Prophecy Girl, Jenny and I wrote sitting in the studio together, like what, uh, like a week, two weeks. It was like just a, like, yeah, it was if, right after the, right mm-hmm. after the election. Um, and so that song for us was like, and, and Jenny, maybe this is how you feel when you write songs. I don't know. This is the first time I've ever done this, but it was really like a grieving process for us and like an empowerment process for us. Like we were doing something for each other as we created that song. Um, Mm -hmm. that song is piano. A very few are. And I think that it just was like something that we felt needed to do the thing that piano can do to your heart and mind. Fire rising in my bones. I can free us from his hold, from the fear that keeps us bound. I am standing now, I know what will come, what will come. If our world belongs to them, what will come, what will come. Just keep fighting, just keep fighting. That's what I'm supposed to do. That song, you know, is really politically rooted, as is Consequences and a handful of others. And then we have, at this point, I think we have like sort of two suites of songs, the larger being the really, really um, personal songs uh, that sort of like really center on the dynamic between Buffy and Angel over the course of, you know, three seasons, like Angel and Surprise. and what is, of course, the one that comes right after surprise? <laughs> um, innocence. Yes, innocence, uh, becoming, 
Oof. And I'm and, upsetting myself just thinking about it. Yeah, and Jenny wrote right at the get right at the jump, right? Angel is where the angel theme you brought right. the angel theme in. And there are several of those songs that bring that theme back in in, in really that different ways. That involve the theme. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. in really different ways. And not to like spoil anything, but uh, I think there might be an episode, you know, coming up pretty soon where Oh my gosh, uh, what could happen? Where that theme might just be involved again. And Goodness. We're, and we're like, maybe something really special is going to happen with the song, oh Jenny. Gosh. I don't know what it's going to be. Can't wait to find out what that is. I can't wait either. Hmm. Wow. What a great question from, of course, that was a great question from Emily. Uh, this is Emily, who we know and love, Jenny. This is. Uh, oh, old Emily Brackett McLongstreet. <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, oh my God, I forgot those oh. two Emilys. Yes. Emily. The other Emily. Floridian Emily. Backpatch Emily. Backpatch Emily. Exactly. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to take us, if you are if you feel satisfied with that song exploder buffering moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Please shut me up about it. <laughs> I'm going to take us to a little, uh, a little email from uh, Melanie. Melanie writes in, Jenny, the story you were talking about, of course, is Hans Christian Andersen's The Little the little match girl the match girl tries to sell matches even though it's freezing because if she goes home without selling matches her father will beat her she goes into a corner and has a beautiful dream that she's at a warm feast turns out she died i can't like i just i picked because a lot a lot of people wrote in to say like oh i saw a lot of this on twitter but it was i feel like I could have a whole podcast that's just me being like, yeah, I remember this one story that uh, it's about this this thing and it's it's maybe about like this and then maybe either this happens or this happens and then like I and then like have one person. I feel like based on our listenership, the average person will probably know what I'm talking about and be able to correct me. Right, right. I just like I ch- I want everyone to know that I chose to read Melanie's specifically because it was so rough. It was such a rough summary that it made me laugh so hard. Like like this yeah. will happen. The match girl happen. tries to sell matches even though it's freezing because if she goes home without selling any matches, her father will beat her. She goes into a corner and has a beautiful dream that she's at a warm feast. Turns out she died. I mean, that's terrible. (laughs) But the (laughs) the delivery, the the way that it's spaced on the page is like... Yeah, so Melanie. Rough. It's a, it's like a little bit of poetry from Melanie here, because it's because it it's it's like a paragraph that ends with she's at a warm feast, and then it's like enter enter by itself. Turns out she died. Enter enter before the email continues. So just like Melanie, I see you. I see your humor. You know, I get yeah. your get you trying to uh, take this ridiculously depressing and horrific story. Also, what the fuck is wrong with Hans Christian Andersen, dude? Right? Oof. That guy needs to hear a couple of upbeat buffering songs. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Got a little tap going in those feet, Hans. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so next up we've got Shira. Uh, not to be confused with Shira, the Princess of Power. This is Shira with an I. Yes. Uh, who, who may also who be I'm a sure is of very power. powerful. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm not to say. Uh, Shira writes. I only listen to a handful of podcasts, and of that handful, both Buffering the Vampire Slayer and Still Buffering reign supreme in my book. Why, thank you. <laughs> uh, Still Buffering shares a component of your name, but I assure you, they are in no way the enemy. So this ah, is this is in reference to us recently referring to Still Buffering as our nemesis podcast. As a joke, as a joke. As a joke, <laughs> of course as a joke. Oh my goodness. But... Uh, in the interest of the bit, I'm just going to keep going with this email, but uh, sure, sure. don't don't worry. Everything is cool. 
Okay, so three sisters, two in their 30s and one a teenager. Whoa, that's a spread. Go through the ups and downs of teen life from times past and present. Not only are two-thirds of the sisters queer women, they also reference Buffy consistently from faith impersonations, cosplay reminiscing, and once more with feeling sing-along moments, Buffy is a component that bridges the gap between the ages. Aww. Mm -hmm. Also, they're hella rad feminist women who I think y'all would have a lot in common with, uh, more than you'd expect. All I ask is that you call off the feud and maybe <laughs> together embrace the beauty of Buffy, 90s nostalgia, and queerness together. I suggest you multiply Buffy to the power of two and maybe one day come together and do guest spots in each other's shows. Aren't two slayers better than one? And that's what I've always said. <laughs> the potential for rad feminist collaboration seems endless. Yeah. So. This rocks. What a cool email. Just to be, just to be very, very, very <laughs> clear. We are very... Uh, not in a feud. We're not, but I do think it's a fun bit, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that the gals from uh, Still Buffering, should we ever get to share space, will uh, play along with us. <laughs> yes, yes, that would be delightful, <laughs> right? Um, and yeah, we'll be. I mean, we're going to be at PodCon in Seattle in January, and they'll be there too. So we don't even know how it works, but perhaps the forces will come together and and allow us to get a little collab there, or at least high five and take a, a Still Buffering the Vampire Slayer crossover picture <laughs> yes right so we'll see we will Please. see let it be All um right. so okay this next email is from eric now i'm only gonna read the beginning but I, I then i'm gonna just describe to you sort of what happens this is a long email and it <laughs> cracked me the what happens in uh, the email <laughs> okay <laughs> you'll, just, you'll, you'll see so eric writes in Hi, Jenny and Kristen. I know we're past this point in the podcast, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I love your show more than I ever thought I could love a podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is so personally important to me. So thanks. Here is my Aww. email. I know. Thank you, Eric. Here is my email on, in bold, why Cordelia would totally get a reference to Zeppo. Okay, so because in the Zeppo, in case you haven't listened to that episode, we're like, you know, would Cordelia really know like the Marx, you know, Marx Brothers? What are they called? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Groucho, Marx, <laughs> yeah. Gra Groucho Zeppo, Mar Marx, Harpo, yeah. Marx. The Marx, the Marx Brothers. Brothers. Great. Um, so we were like, they wouldn't they would get it. So Eric is here to correct us, um, saying, here's the explanation. The Chase family aspires to be Sunnydale royalty, but they're the working rich. Old money wouldn't get wiped out by tax evasion. Good point. Uh, so, wow. so they affect an old money adherence to class and presentation. They don't just watch movies, they watch classics. And they watch PBS, which aired Marx Brothers movies constantly in the 80s and the 90s. As a self-proclaimed, quote, daddy's little princess, end quote, I can easily see a younger Cordelia sitting at his side watching old black and white comedies. Would she ever actually reference the fourth Marx Brother? Only in the one instance where she does, to sting Xander in his own language. Wow. So a brilliant, just a brilliant, like, analysis, I thought. And then what's crazy to me is that Eric is like, the, the next part of the email is like, but would anyone else? And then Eric goes on to explain how literally Buffy and Joyce is one, Willow and Xander. There's a paragraph on Angel. There's a paragraph on Anya, Drusilla, Faith, Giles, Harmony, Jenny Callender, Jonathan, <gasps> Joyce's lovers. Oh, my Oz, God. Riley, Spike, Wesley, and Mayor Wilkins all get an analysis of if they would Wait. or would not know the reference. I just want to mention that Joyce's lovers, the spread includes Ted the robot, <laughs> Pat from book club, Giles, and Buffy's dad. Wow. 
<laughs> Amazing. Also, Drusilla. Amazing. So, so like most of them are like, like Giles, to give you an example, Giles says, nope, as an angry, young, fuck the world mystic, Rupert had no use for old American comedies. As a stuffy, pretentious librarian in esoteric guild, Rupert had no use for American comedies, right? So <laughs> nailed it. They just like, all of them are great. But I just want you to know that Drusilla's entry was like a musical note emoji. Like those were the bookends. And in between the musical note emojis, it just says, the fairies whisper an elegant tale of decay on my fingertips and we're dancing. That was, <laughs> oh my God. Drusilla's whole reference to the Zeppelin. Like that was the whole, the whole thing. The whole thing. Oh my so, God. Wait, can I read one more of these yes. that I think is pretty amazing? <laughs> yes. Riley. No. Whenever Riley's off screen, he doesn't exist. <laughs> if he never explicitly states that he has done something or we don't, don't see him do it, we can assume he's either standing <laughs> perfectly still in a box <laughs> or maybe doing push-ups. Oh, God. God, God, God. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So we'll put, I'll, I'll put this whole uh, analysis up on uh, Patreon just for, just for everyone. You know, you don't have to be a patron of ours. I'll just put the whole thing up there so you can get, you can just read the whole thing. It's so funny. Uh, it really is just hilarious. So Eric, uh, thank you. Oh, thank so the you. list is alphabetical. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, it's really good. So um, you can find our Patreon, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon and um, it'll be one of the public posts. Uh, the, there aren't too, too many of them. So uh, you can see it that way um, and read all of Eric's descriptions of this thing. It's so brilliant, Eric. Oh, wonderful. Uh, let's see. The next note we have is from Marie Eve, who writes, I have a quick question regarding the last episode you posted. You said that there is another episode of Buffy that is as controversial or even more so than the Thanksgiving one. My curiosity is killing me and I need to know. I'm pretty sure you didn't get into details because it's an upcoming episode. So if you wish to avoid spoilers, please just mention the season and number of the episode. I've been a huge Buffy fan for so long, watched the series about 10 times and have a few ideas <laughs> of the one you might be talking about but I'm not sure. Yes, and I've put it there for you, Jenny, in the document so you could read the, the season <laughs> episode <laughs> number. That was not from Marie Eve. That's from Kristen. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. So Marie Eve, the answer to your question, no looking ahead, first time viewers. Yes. Is uh, season six, episode 19. Yeah. Now that I'm committing to this, I, I realize there may be other also very controversial totally. episodes yet to come, but that's the, the big banger that sticks out in my mind we are terrified of that episode yeah jenny and i have so been scared. looking down the barrel at season season six episode 19 like cool how are we gonna great okay uh, uh so that one that was the one that we were talking about um when we were in pangs saying like okay this is pretty controversial and there's another in a very different way anyway um well we're rounding the bend here actually jenny this was the this is the last email i have and we'll stack no! here I know, Jenny. Anytime. I never want to stop hanging out. I know, I know. For those of you who are not our patrons, um, Jenny, especially when we do videos, Jenny and I do Q&A videos um, in addition to mailbag. <laughs> in addition to mailbag episodes for our $10 patrons. And uh, whenever we do the videos, especially, I'm like, okay, and that's all. And Jenny's like, no, come on. We're hanging out with our friends. I don't want to stop. <laughs> so Christian's really good at structure and I'm really good at you know, just 
Balls to the ball enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Jenny is Mr. Peanut Butter through and through. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought I would, I thought I would, and, and I want to also encourage everyone, um, this, we do really love doing mailbag episodes, and I want to let you know, if you're not a patron of ours, please, please still send us emails, because even though the mailbag episodes only go to our $10 patrons, um, if we answer your email, even if you're not a patron, we email back every person whose email we put in, in an episode that's behind that paywall or whatever you want to call it um with the link so that if you, if we answer your email you will get the link to the episode patron or not you'll be able to hear it yes so so please write us emails we love reading well i love reading them and jenny loves reading the ones i select for her to read yes <laughs> um and i do pass along the ones that are for jenny specifically so don't panic um yes thank you but I also want to just say, if you're writing us emails, please let us know where you're from. A few of you did, but n not a lot, so I didn't put them in here. But I really, really, really love, I think we both do, saying, you know, Hannah from Michigan or whatever, um, just to, like, kind of give us that, like, little feeling of, oh, we're all over the place and we are all together and talking about Buffy and it's really fun. So let us know where you're from when you write in. Uh, and also, if you want to let us know your pronouns, uh, we will use them. And if you don't let us know your pronouns, then we do our best to, to stay on the they path over here. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, I am going to bring us to our final email from Hannah. And I don't think that Hannah is from Michigan. I just said that. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> uh, but if I nailed it, that's because I'm a witch. Um, okay, so Hannah writes in. I just wanted to ask, how has watching Buffy changed for you since watching it the first time or years ago? Do you find yourself noticing or reacting to things completely differently than previous viewings? Also, without any spoilers, who's your all-time favorite character or arc? Uh, so, Jenny, I'll let, you, I'll let you take a stab at this one first. So I would say uh, that this is definitely my, I don't know, most, like, uh, in tune with um, what might be problematic viewing of this show. Mm. Uh, so I definitely like have eyes out for the patriarchy, uh, eyes out for um, thoughtless and unfortunate character moments and dialogue. Um, and I feel like I also like have the the best sort of like, I'm like keeping track more, I think of like, emotional cause and effect yeah whereas as a younger viewer i i think i like didn't put stuff together as as well uh as i do now in terms of like like the larger theme of an episode i might just have been like very in the moment of like the action and not figured out like oh here's like the thread that kind of goes through right everybody's story in this episode and like the lesson it's teaching and my favorite character is Anya <laughs> and and you've been pretty consistent with your favorite character is that true Jenny like Anya has always been your choice um yeah I think so I think I think so I I ask that because you know I'm having this experience I'm I'm a, I'm a major major Spike fan and when we started the series I was like Spike is my favorite character now you know very differently from Jenny as many of you already know I have only seen the series one time. And actually this was my very first viewing of season one. I had never seen season one apart from like probably little episodes in the nineties incidentally. And uh, so I came into the series, like yeah, my favorite character is Spike and like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But my, my views on that are changing. I, my, my love for Spike is not decreasing, but I think that like, like Jenny said, sort of like looking at like problematic things and looking at this and looking at that. And also like, 
I don't know. I think my feeling toward badass women has changed even from my first viewing. What was that, Jenny? Maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Anya has been just really like every time I'm talking about like, oh, my favorite character is Spike. There's like this little voice in the back of my head that's like, but really, I think maybe you mean Anya. And I and I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm coming out for the first time in this mailbag episode. Um, so please welcome me uh, with kind, compassionate, open arms because I, I felt like, well, but I can't choose Anya because Jenny ch has chosen Anya. And like, that's that's silly if we have like the same favorite character or whatever. But I just want to say that Anya is like really climbing up the ranks for me for a lot of reasons. And I think that that parallels sort of how I feel about watching this show again for me just for the second time. But the first time I watched the show, it was just like I was watching it because Jenny told me to watch it. Um, I got really invested, but it was like the first the first experience of the show is so different than your second experience, even if you're not doing a deep, deep, deep dive with a podcast. Um, this is probably the most unique second viewing of the series that anyone has ever had, where I'm I'm watching the series a second time, but I'm watching the episodes two, three, sometimes four times. Um, and I'm, you know, in the email inbox. So I'm also like getting all of these perspectives from all of you. And then we're do we're discussing those and we get to talk with people like like Rishi and like Joanna and Kate Leth and you know just like the I've never analyzed a television show like this before in my life and that's really it's been a very fun experience um it's been really cool to like appreciate the characters and like you said Jenny some of the like the writing and the longer arcs and things like that as we go yeah and also I'll point out to you that your other favorite character Cordelia yes of Spike, course Spike and Anya all have something very magical in common, even though their reasons for that particular thing mm -hmm. uh, is different. Uh, all of them say whatever the hell they want to say, whenever the hell they want to say it. Cordelia says mm -hmm. it uh, because Cordelia is number one and she <laughs> thinks <laughs> tact is just not saying true stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Spike says it because he's an asshole, <laughs> um, which actually... Hap like makes him sometimes hilarious and sometimes profound. Sometimes he's the person delivering news to characters that they can't get any other way because their friends care about them and yeah. don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. And then Anya, because she doesn't understand humanity right. conceptually and right. therefore can't understand why, like think about how wild of a concept it is that we as a species have agreed. Sometimes you just don't say the true thing. Right. Or, you know, sometimes you keep things from, from people for like whatever reason, you know, like it's, it's totally. just wild when you think about it, uh, that for like somebody from coming from Anya's perspective of living a thousand years as a vengeance demon, of course she's like, what are you doing? Right. Why would you do it any other way than this? Exactly. Exactly. And that's a really good point, Jenny. I think that is what they all, they all share in common. And it's something that I, I gravitate toward in real life. I mean, that's why I love Cardi B so much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do know. Cardi B has similar, similar, I don't know which line. I think she probably is most aligned with Cordelia uh, in her, in her reasoning, but maybe she's a, a former vengeance demon. What do I know? You know, it's entirely possible. I'm not uh, ruling it out. I am ruling out her being an asshole, but I guess she could be an asshole. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I think she just thinks she's number one and doesn't care for tact and I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I think we answered your question, Hannah. Jenny, did you have anything yeah. else you wanted to add? Uh, no, I'm good. I think. All right. Well, I think I think we've done a mailbag. I think we've done I it. I think we. Nobody could say we haven't. <laughs> well, if they did, they'd be lying. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast with Kristen, I write songs. That's what I do. And you can learn more about me over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And I'll tell you what else. You can always give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. You can, and I am Kristen Russo. You can find more about me and my work over on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And since we don't get a song this week, why don't we just play my jingle? Hell yeah. Kristen with an I, N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can go on over to that website and learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ young people and their families. Also, uh, you can follow me using that handle on Twitter and on Instagram. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can email us, email Kristen <laughs> at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes. And uh, last but of course not least, you can support our work. Uh, you can support us by becoming a patron. Uh, at the $10 level, you'll get lots of these mailbag episodes, or at least lots more than you get in the main feed. Uh, you'll also get some Q&A videos, but you, there are other levels of giving. We just added a $25 level, and some of you are going to be getting some pretty cool exclusive merchandise in October, uh, and there'll be more, oh, yeah. more exclusive merchandise coming your way. Uh, speaking of merchandise, you can also support us by going to our store that's also on our website bufferingthevampireslayer.com just click on shop and you will find a whole bunch of patriarchy smashing goodies uh and of course you know if you don't want to support us financially or don't have the means to that's totally chill you can go on over to itunes and rate and review us or and or you can go on over to itunes and rate and review our sister podcast angel on top uh and let yes. us know how you feel about their podcast if you don't know about that i think you do but just in case you don't know Brittany, ashley and laura zach are now in tandem with us we are every other week, and on our off weeks, you get an Angel on Top episode that corresponds to the episode of Angel that, uh, you know, goes with our Buffy episodes. So check that out yes. if you have not, uh, and rate and review them too. All right. Is that everything? I think we did it. And now, now listen, for those of you who haven't heard of Mailbag in a long time, um, we, we've, we've sort of modified. We howl out, but we don't do a full howl because we, we reserve that for the, you know, the main episodes. So we will howl out now, but we're going to Mailbag howl out, right, Jenny? Yes, we are. Till next mail. Awoo. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a girl who dreamed of flying through the stars, who dared to resist injustice, who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.